And we are live, 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 hopefully. So good morning, good morning. Hello, hello. I'm Andrew Jenkins, and this is a short countdown timer to help the various feeds catch up and settle down. And uh, yeah, 31st of October today, folks. We say goodbye to the summer. Oh, boo-hoo. But we have... We can't wait for today's groovy, spectacular Halloween show, folks. Oh, I just love that. Uh, we're hanging out with uh, Andre Pacini today. Andrea Pacini today, presentation expert, head of ideas on stage in the UK and recent author of this wonderful book, The Confident Presenter. Fantastic. And uh, give us a quick wave and hello, Andrea. Hey, Andrew, Sarah. Hey. Great to see you both. Great to, great to be back. Good to be back. Yeah, this is round two, folks. No video, says Graham Rose. Hopefully the video will come through. So uh, just checking myself to see whether the video's on. Tap to join. Well, I'm hoping it'll come through. Yep, we're through. Yeah, the video's on. Good morning, everyone. Um, looks like good mornings. Yep, so we've got a few good mornings coming on. We'll come to those in a moment. Morning, Sarah. Mrs. Moderator, how are you doing? I'm doing really well, thank you. Good morning, good morning. Nice. Good morning. Round one was so good, Andrea. This is why we've got you back for round two. Round two, there we go. Sounds great, says Graham. Right, okay. 115th show, folks, and only 55 sleeps till the big man peeps. Ah. <sighs> Boom, there we go. So with Sarah, Andrea, me, Marketing Six in the background doing our comments, thank gosh, and uh, that's Tilly. And Ghost, this week's sponsors, that's today's team, folks. Wow, so I think that deserves a quick wow. Wow, there we go. So, oi oi people and hi gang, it's Leaders Live Showtime, folks. Hurrah and huzzah. <laughs> Don't you just love it? Oh my God, laughing at my own jokes again. And it's just after 8.45 a.m. here in the UK, and we are live, live, live with Leaders Live, spreading the love, folks, spreading the love, yabba dabba do. And hope you enjoyed that groovy opener too, gang. And we've got lots of people joining in, so that's great, as I can see on the feed. And uh, this week, we're delighted that we're being powered by Ghost, this week's sponsor, as I said. And look out for who's sponsoring us each week. And, uh, oh, and please let us know if our audio's coming through. Okay, I think that, uh, I think it is, so that's fine. And where our video's coming through for Graham, I don't know yet. So um, if you're new to Leaders Live, a warm, warm welcome to you. And Leaders Live is a dynamic weekly talk show that generates business through networking, through community, through extraordinary conversations that inspire folks. And as I mentioned in the countdown, I'm Andrew Jenkins, and I host this interactive weekly Leaders Live show that's built an awesome community of like-minded leaders just like you listening today. And so don't be shy. We'd love, love, love you to introduce yourself, join in, interact with the comments, uh, chat and ask questions too as we go along. And we have three simple rules, folks. A safe community, mutual respect, and please no selling in the room. And our motto is I to the power of we. And uh, look, a really easy way that you can join in and support this free show. And boy, do we put a lot of effort into make this show. It takes about 10 hours a week to make this show work. So it's quite a lot of effort that goes in. You can use the uh, little app called buymeacoffee.com forward slash leaders live, um, all one word, uh, leaders live. Buy me five and you get a free half hour coaching session as well, folks. And it looks a little bit like this if I can do a little test. Uh, -da, there it is. And you get your name up in lights there. And uh, it's nice to just a bit of fun. Um, all proceeds go to the show, folks, so there we go. And uh, thanks for Mark Nutter for uh, last week's coffee. Brilliant. So smash those likes too, folks, and uh, thumbs up. We'd really appreciate that. Keeps us motivated. 
spell. So few, put it all together. What have you got? Yep, you've got it. Bibbity bibbity bobbity boo. <laughs> ah, laughing at me and jokes again. So let's introduce uh, our um, ranter. And I hope you like the groovy ghost and the bats that are moving about the scenes as well. So how are you doing, uh, Andrea? Great to have you on the show again, Andrea Pacini. Good morning. Good I'm morning. good. Uh, good morning. I'm good, Andrew. And yeah, thank you very much again. I, I very much enjoyed part one it was in june i think months way ago. back so, in july yeah. june july somewhere around there yeah i had to look it up myself actually yeah, yeah looking forward to to part two of our of part our conversation two. yeah and we're we're picking out themes out of um uh, andrea's book uh, confident presenter and we've got boy we've got a treat for you today so tell us briefly um a little bit about yourself andrea and um ideas on stage uk sure I'm a presentation coach. As you said, Andrew, I'm the head of this company called Ideas on Stage UK. I'm in London. And the reason why I'm so passionate about presenting public speaking is because when I was a little kid growing up in Italy, I grew up in a family of very small business owners. Okay. My parents have always been running their own very small business together. They still do. And so as a kid, I saw their challenges because raising four kids while trying to run a business is not easy. But I also saw their spark, their entrepreneurial mindset, their proactive approach to life. And so that's why I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, to run my own thing. Now, I don't know about you, Andrew, but for me, there remained a dream for a long time because before yeah. doing what, what I do now, I tried many things, started many projects, all of them failed. Oh. But it, it was useful mm. because in that process, what I realized was that there are so many great ideas that fail, not because of the ideas themselves, but just because of the way they are presented. Okay. Yeah. And that's why then eventually to cut it short, I became a presentation coach. So, That's why my mission today is to stop great ideas from failing just because of the way they are presented. Yeah, and isn't that true? You know, we learn through the things that we don't get right that causes pain and then but uh, and, and failure. And actually, it turns out that man doesn't learn a lot from um, success. Man learns an awful lot through failure. The trick is just to learn from it and to, to do something different, my guess is, Andrea. So it's a great story. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and I say, yeah, we're talking about failure mm. in a way. Yes. I mean, if something didn't work, it failed. But when I say failure, I don't think of it. I don't give it a, a negative connotation. Yeah, um, indeed. It's just right. What can I learn? Let's now try something different. And if something doesn't work, try, try again. Right. Yeah. yeah it's like always that. an experiment. Yeah, always. I love that. And actually, that's a great reframe as well, isn't it? So uh, and uh, to kick us off today, we're talking about um, um, the secrets to confident presentations uh, round two. And uh, we've got a kickoff audience question as well, haven't we, um, Andrea? Yeah, I'd be very mm. curious to to hear from our, from our audience today. Mm. What's the what's the biggest challenge? That, that you faced if you think about presenting in general from any perspective so it could be when you create the content of your presentations or it could be if you use slides or any kind of visual support maybe there are some challenges there or it could be from a delivery perspective so you are in front of an audience it could be in person it could be online as we are today andrew 
what mm -hmm. are some of the key challenges or maybe one, the biggest challenge you faced in the past from a presentation perspective? Okay, thank you, Andrea. And it's in the feed now. So what's one presentation challenge you faced? Thanks, Sarah, for popping it in the seed and uh, in the feed, sorry. And Mrs. Moderator, how are you doing? How are you doing? Let's bring I'm Mrs. Moderator. I'm doing really well this morning, thank you. It's good to see so many people online. Graham, I'm chuffed that you've got your video working. <laughs> you and on again. Oh, we had to do that this morning, didn't we? <laughs> oh, yes, we did. Yes, we did. Oh, we had all sorts of things going. And uh, yeah, what's going on in the feed at the moment, Sarah? Anything going on in the feed? Um, yeah, lots of um mm. if i can get my feed to work again oh yeah we're all right um, we're all yeah, right to a uh, nice to have steve whittle on we will be talking uh, about tough to talk yes, we uh, will in, in a moment. moment yeah um <clears throat> and yeah one or two things just to think about um whilst you're going to talk about um tough to talk Matthias uh says great perspective andrea uh, he's met so many tech entrepreneur engineers that have terrific ideas but they never managed to explain their idea to the common man which is a shame they stick too much jargon in and people fall off easily. Yeah, and there's another key message, isn't it? And, and, and in one of the chapters in Andre's book, he's like, keep your message simple. And actually, that's not simple to do. And it's for, <laughs> it takes skill and practice, my yeah. guess. So, um, Steve yeah. Whittle, fail, first attempt oh, in I learning. Love that. Yeah. Love that. Oh, spot on. That's just brilliant, isn't it? We like that. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. So do yeah. you want me to talk about some of the challenges or are we coming back to that in a minute? Um, you can just bring in a couple more and then we'll we'll go on to um, um, to uh, Steve Whittle's um, charity. Well, what, what do we do? We'll do Steve first and then Fine. obviously I'll come back to the, because then no it problem. leads quite nicely in. Okie dokie. So um, um, Steve Whittle's online and Steve is the head of a charity called Tough to Talk and Movember, November, is a time where he is really uh, pushing this whole thing about preventing um, male suicide. So here's his video. So this is a shout out for you, Steve Whittle. Um, here we go. Brothers, it's time. Time to unleash the stash. <laughs> We're not just growing mustaches. We're sparking a revolution. Join us this Movember. Stand tall, speak out. We're fighting against male suicide and the mental health stigma. Your voice, your story, your mustache. It can save lives. Visit toughtotalk.com and follow the instructions to set up your fundraising page. Every penny you raise will go directly to funding men-only suicide intervention courses for men in male-dominated spaces and raising awareness of how to destroy the stigma and save thousands of men's lives, one life at a time. Brilliant. Yeah, thanks, um, Steve Whittle. And uh, yeah, I just like that, you know, um, stand tall, um, speak out um, you know, against the mental health stigma of um male suicide and tough to talk is supports communities and businesses supporting men with their issues destroying the stigma talking around uh, about the mental health uh, aspects to uh, reducing male suicide and steve's website is www.toughtotalk all one word.com there we go so hopefully we can get that in the feed if it's possible 
And uh, there we go. So thanks, Steve, for that. And uh, let's bring in our guest again. Where are we? Uh, guest scene. There we go. And just before we begin with Andre, let's just give him a round of applause. There we go. Confetti bomb. We love the confetti bomb. There we go. No spiders, Andrew. No spiders. No spiders. <laughs> <laughs> let's see if we can get rid of the spider for you. There we go. There we are. We'll just have a ghost instead. There we are. And as you can tell, our theme today is Halloween, obviously. So um, kick us off, uh, Andrea. Tell us, you know, what is the biggest obstacle that you find that most people face when trying to unleash their inner charisma and confidence in presentations? Take it away for us. The, the biggest obstacle is very much connected to what Matthias said in one of the in one of his comments. So we're talking about technical people, engineers finding it hard to simplify their, their message. And and this is what I often see. If you if you think about business owners, business leaders, most people know so much. We often know so much about a subject. We are also so close to it that we think that everything is important. And so we think that we need to communicate everything. We also think, Andrew, that what we are communicating is simple enough for the audience to understand. Often the experience from that perspective is the opposite. It's confusing. Yeah. And in communication, it's very simple. If you confuse, you lose. You lose your audience. You lose their attention. I'll give you an example. And this is the number one problem in communication. The, the Heath brothers in their fantastic book, To Stick, talk about the, the course of knowledge as the number one problem in communication. And before I continue, Andrew, can you, can you hear me well? Yes, we can. Yeah, that, yeah. Just, there was okay. a glitch for a moment, but everything's okay. Yeah, yeah I saw that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the curse of knowledge, number one problem in communication. In that book, Made to Stick, they talk about a Stanford University study, which is known as Tappers and Listeners. And what happened was that in 1990, a psychology student asked two, two groups of people to play a game. You had the, the Tappers, and what they had to do was they had to tap out rhythms to famous songs on a table. So oh, think wow. about very yeah. famous songs like Happy Birthday to You, songs like that. But instead of singing the songs, they had to tap them out, just the rhythm on a table. Mm. And then and then you had the listeners, another group, and all they had to do was to try and guess the songs. <laughs> Before the experiment started, the student asked the tappers to estimate how many songs they thought that the listeners would have guessed. And they estimated 50%. So okay. the tapers thought that the listeners would have guessed 50% of the songs, more or less. Mm. Now, in reality, things were very different. Mm. Listeners only guessed 2.5% of the song. Huge difference. Why? Because if you are a tapper, you have knowledge that the listeners don't have the course uh, of knowledge. If you're a tapper, uh, yeah. you have the songs in your head. And so for you, you find it very hard to understand why the listeners can't guess them. Mm -hmm. But if you are a listener, you don't have that knowledge. You don't have the songs in your head. So for you, it's very hard. And that's, that's the bottom line. This is what the course of knowledge is all about. Once we know something, mm -hmm. we find it hard to imagine what it means not knowing it. Uh, so the curse of knowledge, which is the number one problem in communication, is our inability to imagine what it means knowing what we know. And if you think about it, Andrew, mm -hmm. 
we see that in many communication contexts. You say between presenters and the audiences, of course, but you also say between writers and readers, you wrote two books, I've got experience with one. Mm. You say between sellers and buyers, you say between politicians and voters, and, mm. and it's very easy, very, very easy to fall into this trap unless we find a way to get access to some sort of an external perspective. So that's yeah. the, the, the biggest obstacle I see, the curse of knowledge, the difficulty to imagine what it means knowing what we know and therefore the difficulty to simplify a message. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, that whole thing about knowledge bias almost, I'm wondering, the curse of knowledge. Yeah, I like that. So we get biased by thinking, well, everyone should know this, right? So we're starting off with context that we know in our heads as the knowledge sayer, speaker, but which might not be in the heads of our, our public. So we need to give context and be masters of that, I guess. And and actually, you also mentioned something. So I was going to say, well, how do you do that, um, Andre? And you said, I think, we'll find somebody who can help you to be neutral. Is that was that something? That, or would, did I would like. So you want to, you want to you want to get access to some sort of an external perspective. Yeah. Now, of course, oh, working with, for example, working with an expert in this area. That's one way to get that external perspective. It could be, for example, you prepare a presentation. Rather than just keeping it here in your head, then give it a, before the actual presentation, try it, try rehearse it in front of colleagues, in yeah. front of friends, see what they say, get their feedback. Mm -hmm. Or today online, it's easy to, even if it's uncomfortable, but we can record ourselves. So rehearse it, record yourself, watch the recording. And that's an, I mean, it's not the same as working with a professional in this space, but at least it's one way of getting an external perspective, watching yourself will help you become aware of many dynamics that you wouldn't be aware of if you don't do that. And awareness is key. The first step is if we want to improve our presentation skills, a key step is awareness. First of all, we need to be aware of whether or not we have certain dynamics which are different from best practices. And then once we are aware, of course, it's just a matter of practicing, practicing, practicing. But if you practice, while being aware, it's going to be easier for you to improve. Yeah. Thanks, Steve Whittle, for five coffees. That's such a treat. Thank you very much. Brilliant. Oh, I'm so pleased with that. Thank you. Sorry, that was a that, that was the buy me a coffee that just came up. I really like what you just said there about the awareness and then you know the ability then to put that into play and do something with it. And uh, yeah, I, and you know that whole thing about just asking someone who doesn't know, perhaps. I mean, we did this poll the other day as an example. So this is a poll that we put together for uh, in preparation to you speaking today. In your experience, if you had to pick just one option, what has helped you the most to become a confident presenter? And we've got mastering your presence here, crafting compelling stories, overcoming stage fright, managing imposter syndrome. They all look fairly simple, don't they? And yet when I showed this to Sarah, Sarah said, well, what does it mean managing your presence? And I thought, well, isn't that fairly obvious? And that is a case of, you know, having knowledge, isn't it? And then Sarah didn't have that knowledge and would ask the question, which I think is brilliant. And again, going back to practicing and asking people the question, does this make sense? And, you know, and if they say no, then actually that's really great feedback, isn't it, for you as a communicator? And talking about mm. language, and then I can share, if you want, I can share my thoughts on these four options. 
but the language we use, again, it's very much connected to what Matthias mentioned at the very beginning. What great communicators do is they use language, words, sentences that a 15 year old would understand. Ah, so often, I love that. Yeah. Often we you a lot what a lot of people do is they use complex language, jargon, acronyms, yeah. technical language, industry specific terms that you understand as the presenter, not necessarily the audience. Of course, it always depends on who the audience is and what the context is. Mm -hmm. But and we do that because we think that if we do that, then we sound smarter and more credible. The opposite is true. Again, if you look at what great communicators do is they replace complex language with simple language. And, and simple can be harder than complex. And also when I say that we need to speak simply, this is not about oversimplifying things. It's not about dumbing things down. It's about finding and using language that everybody can understand. I'll give you a practical example. If you take the introduction of Steve Jobs' presentation when he launched the, the iPhone, so oh, many years ago, yeah, beautiful. if you take yeah. the, the first 1,000 words yeah. and then you upload them onto a, an app like Hemingway, the Hemingway app or Grammarly, those, those tools yeah. that analyze language, yeah. then it, it returns a grade of eight to nine years old. Which means, believe it or not, that an eight to nine years old watches that presentation, at least the introduction, and he or she will be able to understand what he was talking about. Yeah. That's what great communicators do. That's what great communicators do. I love that. And we'll, I'm going to come back to that, but I just wanted to just um, um, come into this poll just for a minute. Isn't it interesting that, you know, we are 33% mastering your presence here um, and crafting compelling stories, the next one, and then stage fright and... Um, managing imposter syndrome. Any comments on any of those at all? Yeah. So mastering your presence, mm. this is your delivery skills. Now for yep. me, your delivery skills are super important, but they're not the most important things. There is mm. something else before that that we need to master. We can talk about it later if there's an interest. Of course, important, but not the most important thing. Now, if I, if I, if I had to pick one option, it's very hard here because we need mm, all of these things. Indeed. But yeah, if we if we need to pick one option, I would say crafting compelling stories. Storytelling is super powerful in communication. Overcoming stage fright. Now, here I'm not I'm not a fan of the word overcoming because, of course, stage fright we want to try and overcome it. But if we think about in general, public speaking nerves, anxiety, the aim should not should not be to overcome it because we will never be able to do that. To manage nerves, it. Yeah. yeah, nerves, Deal anxiety will always be there. I'm a presentation coach, Andrew. I present all the time. We have with me and my colleagues, we help our clients to do the same. But before a presentation, I always feel nervous. Yeah, I so do too. Of, yeah. yeah, of course, there are things, practical things we can do to control those nerves in a positive way, but we will never be able to over overcome it entirely. Managing imposter syndrome. Now, interestingly, some time ago, I interviewed for, for our podcast, the Ideas on Stage podcast, 
Tara Halliday. She's an expert in in imposter syndrome. I've, so I'm not I'm not an expert here. Mm. Uh, she would be my go-to person. So if anybody's interested in imposter syndrome, what it is really, because there are a lot of misconceptions I'm and just, how to. Yeah. 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 So Tara Halliday. Tara Halliday. Right. Okay. Thank you for that. Um, we'll probably find a link to that a little bit later and pop that in the feed for those of you that are interested. Um, I want to come back to that um, piece about um, you know simplifying your your language and d dumbing things. Dumbing down is the wrong word, but keeping the language really simple and precise. Churchill was a master of this, and he used to use the rule of um, you know, four four syllables or, or less, or two syllables or less is you know, around two or three syllables is perfect for a delivery. Obama would do, write his speeches for a 12-year-old, and you're dead right. Grammarly is a brilliant tool um, to use because when I, in the day of blog writing, and I used to write a lot of blogs in 2015 on, onwards, I was doing blogs because video hadn't been invented particularly at that point, not, not like it is today. So I was blogging at that point, and I would always use something like Grammarly to check because, you know, you write complicated stuff or, you know, I've got a tendency to do as an ex-engineer particularly, um, you know, and then trying to have the skill to make things really simple in two syllables, you know, or three syllables, you know, make make language really simple. And it just it just flows so much more readily and, you know, create. And the skill is to create a complex argument in simple language so everybody can understand it. So your nine-year-old daughter or son in the back of the car can understand it, you know, type of thing. And the, the syllable thing is a great tip, Andrew. If there is a, a short word or a long word and both say the same thing, mm. we should always use the short word. Short word. The same yeah. is true with sentences. If you can say something with a short sentence, if you can say the same thing with a long sentence, let's use the short sentence. My my publisher, Rethink Press, for, for my book, in in their in their teaching, they say you need to be kind to your readers. Uh, yeah. And that's one way to do that, using short words, short sentences, short syllables, just a few syllables. Be kind to your readers. We can apply the same principle in public speaking, communication in general. Mm -hmm. Be kind to your audience. Now, Andrew, you were talking about blogging, writing. I'll give you another practical example. If you take, and this is something I've learned from Carmine Gallo. Some people may know him. He's a world-class communication expert. Mm. In his latest book, The, Be the Bezos Blueprint, oh, he talks yeah. about Jeff Bezos. Yeah. yeah. He analyzed all the, I think it was 25, 20, 30 shareholder letters that Jeff Bezos sent to the Amazon shareholders. And we are talking about, in, in those letters, business, communication, strategy, technical, technical implementations. So that, that's, that's the, these are the topics. That's the context. And if you, yeah. If you analyze the language, so again, you do the same exercise with a tool like Grammarly, it returns, for most of them, for 70% of them, it returns a grade, which is equivalent to roughly 13 to 15 years old. Lovely. So the writing that Jeff Bezos used over his 25 years as CEO of Amazon could, was working for a 13-year-old. Perfect. And again, that's what great communicators do. Yeah, uh, great. Thank you for that. What a brilliant message. Let's give you a break from Mrs. Moderator. What's going on in the feed? Lots going on in the feed. That spider's back. Is that <laughs> deliberate? <Okay. laughs> 
<laughs> Try catching mean. it. <laughs> that was mean. Uh, so get, in answer to the question the presentation challenges you've faced um, mm. Mateus says um, his main challenge is to stay within the allowed time frame ah yes that's a good one yeah, yeah. Um, yeah Ildi um, she presented to 300 people in Hong Kong at an internal corporate event uh, and she feeds off the feedback from the audience but Asian mm. audiences behave very differently ah. to and it was completely silent through stories and jokes. That must have been really difficult. Oh, yeah, interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. yeah. Thank uh, you, Ildi. Uh, morning, Nikki Kerr. That's not morning. a name we see on the feed, so good morning. Hello, Nikki. Um, presented to the room for over a decade, I'm passionate mm. about active learning and include lots of group activities. The question to you, Andrea, is how do you translate this online? Oh, great question, Nikki. Go for it. Yeah. So, would you like me to, yeah, to answer Nikki's question or, yeah. the, or the other people? Uh, I oh, well, both. Let's let's start with Nikki and then work backwards. Okay, Nikki, in person versus mm. online. Now, if we think about it, if you want to be able to present well, and it, it, when I say present, it could be a training session, a workshop, anytime we we communicate something. Now, the the skills you need to have, you need to be able to develop a compelling message. So that's the content of your teaching, of your workshop, of your presentation. You need to be able to illustrate your message effectively if that's useful. And you also need to, normally we do that with PowerPoint slides or any other kind of visual support. It could be a, a whiteboard, a flip chart. So that's the visual element. And then you also need to be able to deliver your message in a way that's comfortable and convincing. Now, if we think about it, then all of these things can be can be applied really well in an online context as well. Now, I'm not saying that a face-to-face -face presentation is exactly the same as an online presentation. Yeah. No, there are some key differences. One is, for example, the fact that online it's harder to keep the audience's attention high. Yeah. And so, and this is connected to another comment around audiences, feedback. So we need to be able to interact with the audience even more online. Yeah. When it comes to exercises, groups, you can do that on Zoom, for example, many other tools, you can create breakout rooms. We do that all the time. You can also work in real time. You can use technology like, like very simple tools like Google Documents to ask them to work on some exercises and you see what, as a trainer, you can see what they're doing in real time. So technology today allows us to replicate a lot of dynamics, of course, in a different way, but you, the experience would be similar in terms of outcome. Now, connecting this to the second question about Asian audiences, their feedback, this is a fact. So sometimes we can only control what we can control. One thing that helps them is interacting with them, but making it very easy for them to interact. So rather than sharing something and then you say, and I don't know, I think it was ELD or maybe somebody else, I don't remember. And I don't know what, what happened there, but often I see presenters presenting something and they say, okay, do you have any questions or what do you think? And that's it. And then, so it, it's very open-ended. Whereas if you create moments of interaction, where you make it very easy for people to, to answer. It could be a yes or no question, which is, of course, it has to be connected to the point you're getting across, 
then, then it's very easy for, for people to do that. So you want to make it easy for people to interact with you. And hands again, that could be as, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a yes or no question, hands mm. up, things mm. like that. Okay. And and then I think it was Matthias' time frame. So he was talking about I find it hard to 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 be on time to respect the, the the time given to me. Now here is a practical tip for you: always plan to finish your presentations within maximum. 90% of the time you've been given or, or you've set for yourself. So for example, if you have a, a 30 minute presentation to give, what most people do is they plan for, first, most people don't plan at all. So they just go and hope for the best. <laughs> yeah. And isn't a good strategy. <laughs> exactly. Never. Yeah. Now, many other people plan for 30 minutes, but then if you plan for 30 minutes, it's very likely that you will go long because yeah. of maybe the technology doesn't work, you need to fix something, or maybe that there is all audience interaction that you didn't expect more than what you expected, which is good. So you will go long. If you plan for maximum, it could be even less than that. 90% of the time you have, that will help you find the, you will have that buffer that you need in case the, the projector fails or technology fails, or you've got the interaction from the audience. Buffer. I like that. So build a buffer into your presentation stuff. I really, really like that. We're going to move on to another question in a minute, but I just want to bring in Mrs. Moderator again, just give you a quick break. Sarah. Yeah, a little bit more. <laughs> I'm, not even going to I'm, I'm okay with the spider. <laughs> I'll see if I can get um, rid of the spider. <laughs> Maria Jeffers um, uh, says, for me, it, she easily goes off point. She overthinks things uh, and then worries about forgetting okay. facts. Yeah. Um, and she understands it isn't really important as it's the energy we transmit that is mm. more powerful. Thanks, Maria. Um, Just trying to find that comment. Let's have a look. So Steve Whittle um, mentioned fear mm. is internal. Needs to own the stage, ignite a dialogue, particularly when talking about such a delicate subject. Um, so that is Steve. And let's yeah. have a look. Uh, yeah, Ildi, the, the the comments and the conversation around what she said, she says she loves the fact that um, we were talking about nerves on the pole mm. and that you'll, you'll, never, you'll never overcome them. Um, that gives her so much more space to allow her to practice rather than to expect herself to be in control. Yeah. I, I mean, I've presented for years and whenever I've gone on stage, you know, there's always that fear of, of, well, fear's the wrong word, but you just get those nerves, don't you, those butterflies. But in some ways, that's just great because it just, you know, I recognise that as, right, I've got an important message to give here. Yes, there's some natural tendencies to be fearful, and I'll, we'll come to Andre in a minute for his take on this. Um, but the message is more, for me, the way I overcome that is the message is more important for me to deliver than me sort of forgetting my words or something happening, that it doesn't matter if that happens but, you know, just allowing myself to think, OK, this is important and um, uh, it will come right in the end, even though I'm feeling very, very sort of butterfly-ish at the moment. What say you, Andre? Andrea? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, Ildi's, mm. Maria's, Steve's comments or questions are all mm. interconnected. So Steve men, uh, talks about fear. Again, we talked about it. Mm. We will always have fear. Mark Twain, apparently, you know, you've got these quotes that he said this, he said, that. I don't know if he ever said it, but it makes a point. 
apparently he said that there are only two types of speakers those who get nervous and those who are liars so <laughs> so uh, steve if you feel fear if you are nervous and again this is for for maria as well for ELD, you are not alone again i'm mm. a presentation coach I feel nervous all the time before presenting. Right. So, yeah, so that's something sure. that we need to recognize and accept. And now, what what can we do about it? Mm. And this is so there are practical things we can do. Plus, there is the most important thing, which which also is connected to Maria's comment about forgetting words. Now, a few practical things. One is drinking water. So often yeah. when you when, when we've got when we've got anxiety or, or nerves, then often the, the consequence is that it creates a bit of a dry mouth. So make sure that you always have some water with you. <laughs> and during a presentation, yeah, during a presentation you yeah, have it too, Andrew. It's okay mm -hmm. to have a sip of water and to avoid a dry mouth. Movement, movement is also powerful. When we are nervous, that causes a lot of energy in excess that flows through our body you want to mm. take and get some of the energy out one way to do that is to move before a presentation stand up even if you're at home or in your office stand up have a quick walk rather than waiting for for your turn you can also we were talking about including moments of interaction yeah include a moment of interaction at the very beginning of your presentation mm. what that does is it so it could be asking a question connected to the theme of your talk. And that puts the focus away from you as the presenter and back to the audience. So that's another practical thing that we can do. And, and then the, the other thing, which is the most important thing, is, Andrew, you told me before going live that the, the chapter you liked the most in my book is the chapter on the importance of rehearsing. Yes, indeed. And that's that's the more thing we can do if we want to not overcome, but control public speaking anxiety. And Maria, again, this will help with forgetting words as well. We need to rehearse. And when I say rehearse, a lot of people tell me, Andrew, that they do rehearse. But in reality, if I go a little bit deeper, I, I realize that that's not the case. A lot of people, what they do is they practice. And practicing means that they think about what to say. But it's not come out of their so, mouth. Yeah, yeah, mm. so, exactly. So they think about what to say. Maybe they've got some slides. They go through their slides and they say, okay, here I'm going to talk about this. Here I'm going to talk about that. And mm. then as they do, they realize that maybe something is not quite right. They go back and change it. That's a practice session, which is useful, but it's not enough. We need to rehearse. And rehearsing means repeating your presentation out loud out loud not in your head from the very beginning to the very end without stopping yeah, as without if stopping. there is a real audience in front of you again that's what great presenters do we need to rehearse maria this will help you not forget words but i should also say presenting should not be an exercise in memorization Exactly. So, Maria, you don't have to, when I say that you need to rehearse and you need to do it several times, yes, but you, you don't need to memorize your mm. presentations. You need to internalize them, which is different. You need to own your content without necessarily memorizing. And then, for example, if you want to have some notes, some cue cards, or again, depending on the context, that's okay. Presenting is not an exercise in memorization. I love that.
a presentation isn't an exercise in memory. That's really great. All right, yeah, and, and there's some tips around forgetting words too um, that we can talk about. Maybe we'll have time for that a little bit later. Might come back to that because uh, that might be useful for people. But um, listen, I mean, there's so much going on here and it's great that we've had some practical tips about handling nerves, rehearsing, rehearsal, 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 stand up, deliver it from start to finish. Don't stop, but don't just do it in your head. Do it that's coming out your gob. Um, that's a technical term for coming out your mouth. And, you know, keep your message really simple, folks. Those are some of the sort of three um, bits that um, um, we've been talking about so far, just as a quick summary. And just sort of thinking about um, engaging conversations, because we're kind of moving into that whole area. You know, how do we strike that balance between, you know, uh, conveying a powerful message and making the audience feel like the hero of the story? Great, great point. Great point, mm. Andrew. Making the audience the hero of the story. Mm. Now, there's another mistake that I often see, which mm. is the opposite of making the audience the hero of the story. <laughs> Whether we are aware of it or not, what most presenters do is they make themselves uh... the hero of the story. And we, we need to do the opposite. Whatever we say, our communication, our message, our idea has to be relevant to the audience and it has to be about the audience. Now, let's 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 make it practical, Andrew. I'm going to give you a, an example here. Mm -hmm. Let's say that, for example, you you want you are presenting to a potential client and you want to use a case study that shows that the idea that you are communicating, the framework, the, the insight, the product service that you are communicating, that you want to sell, that you've done it with somebody else, with another client. So you want to use a case study. Rather than making it about you, and that's what most people do, this is what we've done, this is what we achieved, we want to make it about them, about the client in this case. I'll give you another book, Donald Miller, in his great book, Building a Story Brand, he talks about this idea of the fact that you are not the hero of the story. The, the okay. client is the hero of the story. Absolutely. Your audience is the hero of the story. Mm. So how can we do that in practice? I'll give mm. you a, a framework that, that people can follow. Four steps, Four setting, steps. Mm. complication, turning point, resolution. That's how you should structure your case studies or even better, I like to call them success stories, stories of, of success, setting, complication, turning point, resolution. Let me explain quickly. Mm. So setting, setting could be as simple as time and place. So Andrew, I could say, for example, last year we worked with client ABC in London. Last year, London, time and place. That's it. As soon as you start with time and place, the audience knows that you are about to tell them a story, that you are uh, about to give them an example. So okay. it could be as simple as that. So setting, time and yeah. place. Then complication. And this is the key. The complication is the, the complication from the perspective of the client, not yours. You are not the hero of the story. So this is the challenge, the problem, the difficulty, the issue that your client was facing before they met you. So you see, you put, the you put the client at the center. Yes. Then turning point, this is where you come along. But as Miller says in his book, you come along not as the hero, but as a guide. Your guide. role is the role of a guide that gives the hero, the client, a plan, a process, an insight, an idea, a framework, a product, a service, whatever your context is, that helps them solve that complication and achieve success. And you get to the resolution. But again, that's another key 
the resolution so yes in the turning point you have an opportunity to explain what you've done with the end but then in the resolution you want to put a i, I think i froze i'm not sure but i saw no, something okay. but in the res yeah. Yeah, okay. in the resolution mm. again this is the resolution the success from the perspective of the client no yeah. yours this is not what you've done, what you've achieved, this is what they achieved. achieved. This is what right. they've done. That's the their outcome. So you want to put a spotlight on the success of your clients. It's not about you. It's about them. And that's what I mean by making the audience, in this case, I give you an example of a client making the client the hero of the story. Mm, I like that. So spotlight isn't, it's not about you. Folks, you're not in the spotlight. The spotlight is your audience or the, the story you're telling about a client that relates to the audience. So it's not about you. That's Andrew, yeah. at this point, mm. if you think about it, if we do that, mm. then what happens? Well, indirectly, your potential client in this example will think that if this other company or if this other client has achieved their resolution, their success, their outcome, of course, it's thanks to you. Yeah, of course. But, but you're not but the you story. Are, you're not the hero, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and you are getting yeah. the message across mm. in a much more elegant way. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And thanks, Tilly, for putting the summary in that setting. Time and place, complication, turning point, resolution, making the client the hero of the story. That's a massive point there. Thank you. Um, let's just give you a quick break, um, Mrs. Moderator. Pick us up where we are in the feed. There's loads going on. There is loads going on. Um, yeah, first of all, great. What can we remind people? What is the title of Andre's book and how do they get it, please? Ah, there it is. Confident presenters, the wrong way around here, but uh, yeah. Um, we're going to come to that as a CTA and uh, that will all be in the... Okay, in the, so, so keep yeah. listening, Graham, yeah. please. Keep listening. <laughs> yeah, that will, that will, we'll come to that in the feed in a while, so don't worry, that's coming. Confident presenter, it's on Amazon. Great book. I've there read it. Go. It's brilliant. Um, Andy Gray says he finds it. This is no surprise for those of you who know Andy. He finds it useful to build a mind map. Mm. Um, keeps him to time and finds once he's done the mind mapping, it's locked in. Um, then practices out loud in the car, speaking too slowly because <laughs> when he gets nervous, that'll be about the right pace. Yeah, and Andy Andy Gray told me about just have a clock in front of you and so you know where you are with time because I'd lose track of time very yeah, easily. Not, not just any clock, a great big... Big <laughs> clock, yeah, with, with great big numbers, big numbers on it. You can see the time. Big numbers. Very visual, is that Andy? <laughs> very visual. Thanks, Andy. Uh, brilliant. Anything else you want to pick up? No, I think... That, oh, yes, Rebecca says... Um, mm, hello, Rebecca. Thank you for the tip, retiming. Mm. How critical is humour? Oh. Oh. <laughs> How critical is humour, Andrea? Yeah, okay. So, mm. Rebecca, by the way, great to see you, Rebecca. Yeah. And how critical is humour? Now, humour is super powerful in, in communication. However... So first of all, somebody else earlier was talking about jokes. Humor is not about telling jokes, two different okay. things. Humor is very important. However, if it doesn't come naturally to you, because we are not stand-up comedians, if it doesn't come naturally to you, then if it does, great, then feel free and go ahead. It's, it's, it's super powerful. If it doesn't come natural to you, 
then it's okay. What you can do, Rebecca, for example, you could use somebody else's material. So if there is a, I want to give you practical examples today. If you have, if you want to communicate an idea, if mm -hmm. you can find an image, a funny image, which of course is connected to the point you want to get across, that's one simple way to include humor in your presentation. You just use somebody else's material. In this case, it's somebody else's image, which is funny and it's connected to your point. And that's one way to include humor. A similar thing, a similar technique is to include a quote. So if somebody said something funny, which makes people laugh, as long as that thing, as long as that quote, that sentence is connected to the point you want to get across, that's that's another way to include humor. So use, and this is something that everybody can do. We can use somebody else's material as long as it's connected to what we want to get across. Yeah. And Andy was talking about speaking slowly. My, the mind map, I don't know. I think it was still Andy, uh, the, the mind map. Yes, yeah, was, so yeah, a mind I'm map, there are, there are different ways of mind mapping. I, I'm yeah. a big fan. A, a very simple mind map, because sometimes when we when we think about mind mapping, a lot of people think, well, what is this? It's complex. It doesn't have to be complex. There are different approaches. One very simple one is having a mind map, which means identifying your three key messages, making it very clear, first of all, for your mind as the presenter, and then as a consequence, it will be clearer for the audience as well. What are the three most important things you want to get across? Three is a very powerful number Isn't in it? communication. And so a, a mind map could be as simple as, okay, message one, this is what I want to get across. Message two, that's my second one. Message three, that's it. And then it was also, Andy was also talking about slowing down. And it, it's true. I would say, it, and it is true that when we are nervous, so we are connecting the dots today, we tend to go faster. Yeah. For me, Andy, I would take it a step further. It's not really about the, 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 the challenge I see, the, the mistake I see is not really about speaking too fast for most people, but it's that most people don't pause enough. Don't pause enough. Some silence, some pause. Yeah. Ah. So, so you, you use the word silence, Andrew. Mm. Now, Dale Carnegie said that silence oh. is one of the most eloquent things in the world. Mm. And I love that because you have silence and eloquence, and it looks like a contradiction because eloquence is all about speaking, but it's not. Silence is one of the most eloquent things in the world, which means that you can say a lot without saying anything. How beautiful is that? Yeah. When you when you pause, say, for example, before or after a key message, mm. and you want to pause, say, for a couple of seconds, no more, three benefits. Number one, you give your audience time to think about what you've just said. You give them time to digest your message. Digest it, yeah. Second benefit, you give yourself, as the presenter, time to think about what to say next what to do next, what to show next. And then third one is when you pose, say before or after an important point, that increases the impact of that point. So if you have an important message you want to get across, if you rush it, if you speak too fast, it won't be as impactful for the audience. Whereas if you give your audience the message and then you pose, 
that increases the impact of what you've just said. Of course, if the message you are getting across is stupid and then you pose, that increases the stupidity of what you said. So we need to be careful. But provided that the message is solid, then posing is very powerful. Let me just mention one final thing, Andrew, because mm. Andy's comment was, was very much on point. He said that you want to speak much slower when you rehearse in the car, for example, mm. much slower than what you would do in the real presentation, because that will help you find the right balance. This is true. And, and I would say I would do that with posing. A, an exercise that people can do when they rehearse, every time you think you are rehearsing, when you think that it would be a good idea to pose after, before or after an important message, try and exaggerate that pose. And you can do that by thinking about a word, a word of your choice. So your word, Andrew, could be leader's life. That could be the word. And so when you when you want to pose, you just say in your head, leader's life three times. Uh... So you're saying that you are rehearsing and then you pose, leader's life, leader's life, leader's life. And then you continue your presentation. Now, if you say a word three times, of course you are exaggerating the pose. That's not what you want to do in the real presentation. But exaggerating is an important exercise because if you don't, and if you're not used to it, in the real situation, because of the adrenaline and those dynamics nerves, you will lose the pose. Whereas if you exaggerate it as a rehearsal exercise, that will help you find the right balance in the real situation. Yeah, I like that. So, folks, pause for impact. Beautiful. <laughs> ah, leaders live, leaders live, leaders live. <laughs> but not in the real sense that you do that when you're practicing, right, is what you said. Ah, let's quickly go to Mrs. Moderator and give you a pause for a moment and let the audience catch up a bit. Sarah. Um, yeah, a little bit more from Andy, actually. Mm. Um, Andy's a graphic recorder nice. um, and he helps to build humour in to lock the ideas in. Mm. Um, when he was a teenager, he learned from a regular speaker that when they're laughing, they're learning. Uh, so he started watching comedians who told stories who could hold the stage. Mm. Um, and the secret to comedy? Timing. Timing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, lovely. Um, yeah, and he, he just goes on to say about slowing pace and um, using... Don't, don't, he said he was listening to Bishop the other day and he was emphasising absolutely everything. Um, everything? And it's really, really hard to follow. Yeah. So it sounds to me, you know, it's pace, it's timing, it's pausing, it's... Yeah, don't don't emphasise everything. And emphasizing uh, because if place. because if sorry because if mm. everything is important then nothing is important. Ah, so there should be three things that are important, really. I suppose taking your previous comment, you know, yeah. having three. three but, but this is also is within within mm. the same uh, within the same sentence or, or the same paragraph or, or section of the presentation. Then Andy is talking about changing a voice changing the way we use our voice. And I remember, Andrew, in part one of our conversation, before going live, we were talking about your work from, mm. a, from a voice perspective. And it's super powerful. So we can, yes, change the way we use our voice to make a message more dynamic. We, we have to become 
dynamic vocal speakers. Everybody in the audience likes dynamism, which means that instead of sounding monotone, we have all of us, we have our own monotone, we have our own standard tone, and, and that's boring. So anything we can do to move away from time to time from, right. from our monotone will help you become a more dynamic vocal speaker. Again, I don't want to give theory. I want to make it practical. So how can we do that? The trick is to make it pop from time to time. If Ooh. there is a word or a sentence that you want to emphasize, make it pop. How make can you pop. do that? You can, for example, you can punch the most important words. Now, Andrew, I'm punching the word punching. punching and punch the most important words. You can make some words longer. Now I'm making the word longer, longer, longer. You emphasize it. You can over articulate certain words. This is very useful for people like me. Like, for example, I speak English, which is obviously not my first language. So often we need to not just articulate, we need to remind ourselves, and I need to, I need to do it myself as well, <laughs> to over-articulate, especially yeah. if the, the, the word is not, is not easy. So you can over-articulate. Now I'm over-articulating the word over-articulating. Beautiful. You can, you can also, so Andy was talking about going down in volume. Yes. So you can go up in volume if you want to emphasize something. And you can achieve the same benefit for the audience by going down in volume. Why? Um, because anyway, you are moving away from your standard tone. So the bottom line is this. You want to become a dynamic vocal speaker. Anything you can do to move away from your standard tone, because otherwise it becomes a monotone, from time to time will help you do that. Beautiful. So I like the way you've mentioned punch, longer, and um, and also you know, change tone and um, over articulate some words just to kind of emphasize that word, folks. And talking about, um, well, I'm just looking at time and just thinking, gosh, time is going on and we're almost at the top of the hour. Let me introduce your call to action here. Here is, um, this is for Graham, but I think it's already been in the feed. Thank you, Tilly, for popping this in the feed. This is Andrea Pacini's book, Confident Presenter. Great book, um, really easy to read, really clear, um, some lovely chapters. You can work through it really quickly on a train, a plane, an automobile if you're not driving, you know, and if you can if you can read while you're actually travelling, fantastic. You know, it's a great book, so I highly recommend it. The link is in the feed already, but we'll pop it in again and um yeah so that's that and then your website um is here um which is i'm just coming to that now is um ideasonstage.com all one word um and there's a scorecard here for you as well um which you can take a score and test yourself on your presentation score it's a lovely little tool it's free um you know it's just just use it and just have a look at your own presentation score and the stuff that we've looked at today and you've got something to apply straight away to keep it really practical and you've got some information straight away. And you've also got a little um, a gift for us as well, um, Andrea. Do you want to shout that out for us? Yeah, and if, thank you for the opportunity, mm. Andrew. And, and for people who are interested in the scorecard, then either mm. on the website you can find it or ideasonstage.com forward slash score, like when Here you score is. a goal. Yeah, yeah I, I see the link in the, in the yeah. chat. Yeah. And now the other thing is that if you if you are interested in these ideas, presentation mm -hmm. skills, public speaking, if you want to become a more confident presenter, I would be very happy to offer a comp complimentary 
totally free consultation. Okay. I can do that for five people. Mm -hmm. And the consultation would be an opportunity for for both of us to understand if if there is a fit between what you may be looking for in this area and, and what we do when we work with a client. But I can give you more information if you're interested. All you need to do is just send me an email. My email address I think will be in the in the chat. Otherwise Andrea dot it's there perfect at ideasonstage.com. And uh, just send me an email. If you can make it very simple, you mm -hmm. just even a blank email with the subject line leaders live consultation. So I know you are coming from this show and that's it. If you send me an email, I will get in touch with you. I will give you more information about what the consultation is about. And then if together we decide that it makes sense to go ahead, then we'll go ahead and find the time to speak. Lovely. There you go. So first five or just five people for um, for Andrea. So there you go. There's an opportunity for you. Thanks very much for an enlightening, fantastic, extraordinary Leaders Live conversation this morning as our Hangout guest. We've loved, loved, loved having you. Sounds like we've got a round three and we've even got some content for it as well. So look out for round three coming up, maybe by the end of the year and um, before Christmas, hopefully. But um, Andrea's a busy man, so we'll see what we can do for a round three Folks, it's been great to hang out with you today and great to hang out with everybody here. Um, quick shout out from Sarah for Leaders Live. Sarah? Yep, just a reminder, if you've enjoyed it, tell all your friends. Let's yeah. try and expand the community because the more of us that are on here, the more interactive we get. Um, if there's anything in particular that you would like us to talk about, um, get in touch with us. Um, and just a final reminder, um, you know, there's a lot of things we've talked about. Do reach out to Andrea because he's, I've found today so, so interesting. Um, but Andrew also does a lot of coaching, um, mm. personal skills stuff. So, yeah, get in touch with us. We do like to hear from people. Yeah, and keynote speaking. So very happy to do that if you're looking for somebody to uh, to do that with you. So that's a little bit about us. And um, the goose for next week, folks, very quickly, because we're running out of time now, is uh, we've got a great treat. We've got a breakfast-style show coming up again, how to access and enhance the power of your intuition. We've got the Reverend Andy Grow, who's been on today, Ilda, who's been on today, and Dr Ian Price as well, talking about intuition and, you know, what is it? How do we access it? How do we use it? and we're going to have a great discussion around that and uh, it's going to be real fun so uh, here's our outro closer and that's all for now see you again next week folks and in the meantime god bless and may god's love shine on you all this week we're going to wave to you from our outro closer sorry we're slightly late cheers for now bye-bye cheers everybody and thanks again for Andrea for a wonderful show. I'm just, just packed information in that show. Wonderful stuff. Thank you very much. And uh, we'll see you again next week. Um, and I hope you can apply all of those things we've learned today in your business and we'll have another awesome groovy show next week. Bye for now. Cheers for now. Thank you very much. Bye-bye, everybody. Have a great week.